0: Namaste. Good morning. Today is September 3rd and we are talking about astrology and Jyotish. Some basic questions that our students ask us. So our first question is that in the ancient texts of Jyotish or Vedic astrology, it says that Vishnu, Lord Vishnu, the creator, manifests himself as the nine grahas or, or planets that affect us, which give us the blueprint of how our life is kind of going to turn out. So, what is that about, all?
1: So the first question is, how does Vishnu manifest himself as the nine planets? Maharshi Parashara, the author of Brihat Parashara Hora Shastra and the father of Vedivyas, the compiler of Vedic literatures, answers this question as follows. He says that Vishnu is Aja, or the unborn one. Why? Because he is the original personality who exists beyond this world and he manifests himself within this world from time to time in different forms. Specifically, He is called Janardhan, which means that he removes the suffering of all living beings. And Janardhan, the Supreme Lord Vishnu, manifests himself as the nine planets for the purpose of giving all auspicious and inauspicious results to the living beings in this world. It is further described that there are those who are jivatma and those who are paramatmams. Jivatmams means those who have a minute fragment of life within them and Paramatmams means those who are endowed with a godly portion so there are those beings who are empowered and who are capable of doing great deeds such as the king of heaven indra the lord of the oceans varuna and also the planets, or grahas. The grahas have a profound influence on the movement of the living beings in this world. They have a supernatural power and an influence over our actions from our very birth. By the position of the planets at the time of our birth, we can deduce many things about our influences in life and the path that we might take. So this is something about how Vishnu manifests himself as the nine planets. Vishnu also means one who is all-pervading, meaning that he permeates every atom of this creation. He is present everywhere. And similarly, the presence of the planets is felt throughout this planetary system. So we are never free from the influence of the planets. They have a hold on us. This is in fact the meaning of the word graha. And they pull us in different directions. The directions in which we are pulled is partly determined by the course of our own previous actions, under the influence of which we have taken birth in a particular body, at a particular time, in a particular place and in a particular family.
0: That's a wonderful response, Atul. So here's another question that the students ask us. So unlike invest in astrology, uh where the word planet or stars is used in vedic astrology or jyotish the word graha is used i understand graha means to grasp one that grasps you in even sun and and there's this rahu ketu they're considered grahas so what is the difference between grahas and planets
1: The second question, what is the difference between grahas and planets? Planets are often referred to as grahas. They are also sometimes called luminaries. The word jyotish itself means the science of luminaries. Because the sun, moon, and the planets, such as Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, as well as the shadow planets which are not even seen, such as Rahu and Ketu, are all in the category of those things which shine an influence upon us. The word graha in particular, in the context of planets, refers to the hold that they have on us. They pull us in a certain direction. So, for example, If someone is born with Mars in a very strong position, it means that Mars will have a powerful influence over their attitude toward life and their activities. If Mars is in the 10th house, the house of occupation, that person will almost certainly be engaged in activities and in a livelihood, which is somewhat challenging by nature, which involves being proactive, even being aggressive. It is also a good combination for making decent amount of money. So the grasp that the planets have on us is something that begins from birth. We don't notice it because we think of what we want to do and we think of the next thing that I am going to do. We make plans. We think about things we develop feelings about things, and then we make plans to act. We're caught up in a cycle of thinking, feeling, and willing, but in reality, we are very strongly pulled by the tendencies that have been created through our own past deeds, or karma, and which are given through the agency of the different planets. A good example to understand graha is, for example, If we say that someone has a masculine or a feminine nature, we are sometimes referring to a sort of a bipolar tendency to be dominating as opposed to being passive. But it is so much more complicated than that. Jyotish gives gives us a perspective on unwrapping some of the complexity of human beings. For example, A man may be somewhat sensitive and be very well developed in fine arts or a woman may also be um, very feminine, but she may also be very determined and bold and courageous. So these are all components of our personality. We all have different components of our personality to different degrees. And this is what we mean by graha. So, for example, the woman who has a strong Mars energy, she is not going to be someone who's passive and who is happy to be along for the ride. That is not going to be the case at all. Or the man whose Mars is not particularly strong and who has an affinity for the fine arts, he is going to be in touch with his own sensitivity. It is not a simple matter of the binary gender and what is our tendency according to what we think the stereotype should be according to our gender. It is based on the planets and they all are pulling us in a certain direction. For example, Saturn. If Saturn has a pull on someone, they will tend to give the influence of that person being somewhat thin. They may be tall, they may have more black hair, And they will tend to be somewhat reserved in their judgment. They may not be as jolly in disposition, but they will tend to be very sober and think about things deeply and always consider the consequences and responsibilities involved. These are just a few examples of how different planets have a grasp on us moon, for example, primarily influences the mind. It also has an influence over water. So all of the planets have different types of influences and different ways that they are pulling us.
0: Awesome. So the third question that comes a lot is this whole concept of the so-called Rahu and Ketu and of course I've heard the story of uh, how the Lord Vishnu became a woman a beautiful woman so that the nectar of immortality could be distributed between Devas and Asuras or demons and angels and uh, one of the demons found out and he is what became Rahu and Ketu but nobody's really sure about this whole Rahu and Ketu situation What exactly is it?
1: The third question, what exactly is Rahu and Ketu? Rahu and Ketu are called shadow planets. You can't observe them in the sky. They do not produce any light, but their influence is very real. They are the ascending and descending nodes of the moon's orbit. In astronomical terms, That means that the moon orbits the Earth regularly, but the plane formed by the moon's orbit intersects the plane of the Earth's orbit around the sun. That is called the plane of the ecliptic. And the places where the moon's path intersects the path of the Earth's orbit around the sun are the nodes. When those nodes line up, For example, when the ascending node lines up with the sun, then you may have a solar eclipse. And when the descending node lines up with the moon, then you have a lunar eclipse. A solar eclipse will always occur during time of the new moon, and a lunar eclipse will only occur during time of the full moon. So these are referred to as actions of Rahu and Ketu. Generally, eclipses are considered to be seriously inauspicious. We would never want to observe an eclipse. Yes, we understand that it's a matter of scientific curiosity, wanting to see a phenomenon that doesn't occur regularly. But from the perspective of Jyotish, eclipses are inauspicious and we should not view them, we should not expose ourselves to the energy of eclipses. Traditionally, during an eclipse, people would go to bathe in a holy river and they would chant, they would chant mantras for divine protection until the inauspicious influence of the eclipse would pass. On a day which would be marked by an eclipse, no one would do an auspicious activity like beginning a partnership, engaging in a Uh, marriage ceremony, or any other type of ceremony that is meant to have long-lasting and auspicious results. So the calculation of Rahu and Ketu is very important. Rahu and Ketu in our own birth chart also represent certain shadowy aspects of our personality. This is also part of what makes us human. Rahu is associated with Uh, thieves, also with making money, with materialistic pursuits. And Ketu is associated with spiritualism, calling forth ghosts and spirits, and psychic abilities, among a few things.
0: My fourth question and last question for you, Atul, is, again, this is something that is uh, you know, something that students pose at Narayana Ayurveda and our classes, is if you really believe in this astrology, in this jyotish, is everything predestined? Then what is the use of doing what we are doing if everything is destined? So what is the viewpoint of jyotish for predestiny?
1: So the fourth question Is everything destined? This is probably one of the top questions that people ask about Jyotish. So if in your chart, they say, the planets are all giving indication of whether someone will be an eloquent speaker, whether they will have a tendency to excel in fine arts, whether they will be good at mathematics, or whether they might even have a speech impediment, Does that mean that everything is predestined? Of course not. That is only part of what makes us who we are. But it's a very important part. It's a large part. This is the part that comes from our past activities. Sometimes I look at someone's chart and I can see very clearly based on position of the ninth house and the 10th house, there is what's called a Raj yoga. It is an indication of a kingly Uh, status and sometimes that very clearly indicates that in the previous birth this person had a very good position they may have been extraordinarily wealthy nowadays people don't usually have the designation of king or queen but instead we have people who are fabulously wealthy who control large amounts of resources and who are generally able to do pretty much whatever they want. It's basically the definition of royalty, just without the name. So if you look at someone who has that, they've been born with the proverbial spoon, silver spoon in their mouth, and they have a lot of things that are coming to them from their past birth. Now, sometimes someone may have such a birth where they are born in a family with money, where they are born in a family where power can easily be handed to them, and they have all the advantages, but they show to themselves to be bad character. They show themselves to be characterless people. Why is that? It is because they did some good deeds in their past life or past lives, and they have earned the credit of being able to have objects of enjoyment. But they have not actually developed their character to move up in a path of progress toward a more divine level of existence. So they have to take birth in a good family and have facility for enjoyment so they can use up these past good results that they had accumulated. On the other hand, we sometimes see that someone has excellent character who is very sweet and loving and kind and generous, but they've been born in a poor family, or they are born in disadvantage. And sometimes such people are very inspiring to the rest of humanity. And we remember them, and we talk about them after, even after many decades. And we say, why did this person suffer? Why was this person assassinated when they were uh, still very young, only in their 40s? And that is because that person was on an upward path. They had some suffering to finish so that they could move on and move upwards. So we're always either on an upward path or a downward path. How does this all relate to the question of predestiny? Well, it's all very relevant because really there is no predestiny, but we have created a past path and we have created a past heap of results. And we are getting those results in this life, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we think that we are doing our own activities and we're acting independently. Whereas in reality, we are simply playing out the receiving of results that we created by our past actions. This is very difficult to understand, but Jyotish does give us some tools by which we can unravel this. So there's no predestiny. We always have freedom of choice. We always have the ability to make good choices or bad choices. We always have the ability to change our direction. It's just that there's so much of a pile of things behind us that they tend to push us along, sort of like logs being pushed by the current of a river. But we can still move ourselves from one side of the current to the other, and we can even eventually reverse the flow. But there is a lot of current pushing us along. So it's a very complex topic. Sri Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita that the intricacies of karma are very difficult to understand. So this is a very complex topic which is best left for another time. Thank you very much.